I think we need to change or at least alter the language here in modern society. Language is, of course, continually evolving and continually changing. However, I think that it's particularly important that language changes at an ever-quickening pace. Uh, the primary motivation for this kind of thought, for me, uh, is the language that we continue to use about God. We have this sort of antiquated notion of God. And it's an old word that now in modern times combined with new experiences has, I think, lost a lot of its validity, a lot of its meaning, a lot of the experiences that we have at present don't necessarily mesh up with that old world terminology. And this is not a unique experience to the word God. Um, this is a, an experience that is found in a variety of, of different sectors uh, so far as, as linguistics um, versus experience goes. But wouldn't it be interesting if we could begin to speak about God or whatever old terminology we use to describe these new experiences that we have. We, the goal is, with language, uh, to combine the words uh, with the experience and the feeling attached to that experience uh, and the happenings there within. So language plays a very important task, more important than I think we realize it does. When Confucius was asked what he would do if he was appointed the emperor of China, he said, the first thing I would do is change the language. And that seems like a very almost uh, cryptic thing to say. But what he meant by that was that when you speak about things in a certain way, you begin to think about them in that way. Because, of course, thoughts, um, articulated thoughts, are our language. And our language sort of dictates our thoughts, and our thoughts kind of dictate the language, um, so far as we have the capacity to um, be conscious of uh, that experience that we're trying to describe um, and articulate that experience to others or otherness itself in a certain way so that um, it is a shared, that becomes a shared experience and a shared part of consciousness um, between ourselves and other people um, or otherness, you know, the, the, the general capital O, otherness itself. And again, when we speak, we are trying to convey some sort of emotion, whether we're, you know, telling our, you know, dog to sit, um, or whether we are trying to, uh, as I'm doing now, communicate something that's 
not a direct empirical physical experience that we have, but something a little bit more metaphysical and something which in and of itself is almost brought about by our thinking about it and by our consciousness of it. We kind of create um, some of our own thoughts and actions and experiences out of midair simply by being uh, conscious of them um, or trying to articulate and communicate them. We, we create new spaces, new epochs, uh, new, new words and language and ways to describe things and consciousness itself furthers. But the, important of la- the importance of language is that when, again, we think about things, when we talk about things in a certain way, we begin to think about them in that way um, as well. Even if the thought isn't necessarily um, true to reality, if we begin to talk about things uh, with a sort of a sense of falseness, um, something you know that uh, that that water isn't wet, you begin to describe water as you know a uh, more like sand than water. It has this metaphysical um, existence, which is untrue to the actual experience. Um, however we then begin to think about water in this way and maybe we you know build a craft uh that is uh designed to um work with water some sort of machine that is designed to work with water as we know it um or as we think we know it to be as a dry object or dry substance and not a wet one as it actually is um you know, we see this sort of wrong thinking in uh, bigotry, in racism, um, in all these human interactions that are, or, you know, assumptions and uh, generalities that, that simply are not true. Um, we begin to speak about people as stupid when the experience, um, uh, just based on an experience that is singular and subjective and not as it actually is, but as our experience with it is. And again, our experience with it, if we are only creating the experience by thinking about it, might be very, very wrong. So it is very important to understand how thoughts create our actions and how language reflects in our thoughts and vice versa this is a cycle we think about things in a certain way we speak about them in that way oftentimes regardless of our experience um, or lack thereof of the experience of a certain thing and regardless of how that certain thing actually is so a way to kind of cut the corners on that again is to talk about things in a different way and then just by that mere action alone we will begin to think about things in a different way and then we will begin to experience things in a different way because we have to realize that as human subjects our experience is very filtered 
by our senses, by how what we think, by our own limited consciousness, by what we're able to perceive and not perceive, by that limited experience and interaction that we have with the thing. So often our experiences are merely relational and not as objective as they could be. And there is a way to have this objective uh, experience, this sort of universal experience with, with the thing. And that is to try and, and this is, it's very difficult to do when we've heard, you know, uh, especially Eastern philosophies and religions talk about this for a long time. But again, maybe they're speaking about it in an antiquated way that is uh, arcane and no longer, uh, no longer matches up with the modern experience that we share. But the way to try and experience something as universally and as objectively as possible is to try and dispel of your own e ego, to try and dispel of those filters that we have, those perceptions that, that limit us in certain ways. And those perceptions kind of codify our own subjectivity and the way we view things. They, they bring you know, certain things you know, into a law of our own interactions with that particular thing. And again, I go back to that original example I brought up of God, the word God. And I don't care, this doesn't matter if you believe in God, it doesn't matter if you have the most faith in God, or you are an agnostic, or a, a devout atheist. The word God has this particular meaning, and it's the best example I can think of so far as this is all concerned. That word has such heavy stones attached to it. That word is so encumbered by the history of human thought. And it's something that is unique to human experience, that word. Because almost every human, I think every human, although I can't be sure, of course, being a subject, but I think it's pretty safe to say that every human being who has ever lived has had some experience with that word. Um, or if at the time they were too primitive for a language, they've had some experience with that ineffable nothingness behind being itself. I guess maybe today in the West we would call it a certain sense of spirituality. But that word in and of itself is very hollow, I feel, uh, in modern times. And so uh, that's an, another word I would look to replace with something else. And I'm not saying I have uh, the, the vocabulary um, to necessarily do that. I have my own internal words that I use with, you know, me, myself, and I for, uh, for some of these things, but, um, you know, it certainly doesn't mean that that translates to the general human experience, but I think we should strive 
as a human community, as a human consciousness, to come up with new ways of speaking about about these large topics and issues that history has given to us that we have given to ourselves because we continue to let it live in a way that maybe is not as good uh, or not as meaningful, not as powerful, as potent, and as present for us in modernity here as it was in antiquity. And again, the best example of that is this, this word God, because I think every human being that was conscious enough to have these kinds of experiences have had some sort of experience with with this word or this this being or this nothingness this thing um, that we have ascribed and summed up in this little three letter english word god it's such an interesting word because it doesn't necessarily relate to a particular thing you know we have all these other words for things that exist in actual empirical tangible physical many times experience tree you can look to the word tree has this symbiotic physical relationship to something which exists in the empirical world a tree it's not just a word it has something of substance behind it the word god however does not enjoy the same kind of mirrored relationship between the word and something tangible that we can point to and say that is god like the way we can say that is a tree we need to redefine for us every day every moment many of the things that come to our metaphysical being and that we are aware of in this space of individual consciousness that we all have but that we create for ourselves you know this this space that i'm talking about is that place that is subjective within our own minds and hearts and beings in general that when we're trying to work something out when we're trying to think about something there's this kind of almost uh, purgatory like to stick with theological uh, uh, metaphors this sort of half finished place where we are working things out in our metaphysical being when we are working something out within us emotionally when we are thinking something out within us consciously when we are trying to understand something about either ourselves or our experience or the way we think or speak about things there's the space created within us that oftentimes leads us so astray because we let it petrify within us we come to a conclusion 
and it becomes a rock within us, even though it's not the true nature of what is. We think about something, and we say, this person is bad, based on our experience, or based on our own subjective thoughts, subjective experiences, subjective interactions, subjective take on what it is that this person is and not how this person actually is or who this person actually is we come to a conclusion about something there is no God because there is so much evil and so many terrible things that happen in the world and to ourselves and to other people so much unjustified, unnecessary suffering that there couldn't be this benevolent thing behind all things. So there is the space that we create and we must not let it petrify within us. We must continually reinvent and re-examine it, let things come to us fresh and new experience them as they are without this construction of good, bad, right, wrong. Things happen only one way as they are. Nothing more, nothing less. But as they are, as it is, if you see it and understand it correctly, is truly the most profound thing there ever could be. But because we are subjects, because we are participants, individual participants, in this grand consciousness, we see things in a slightly different way, oftentimes. And that's okay. And that is the brilliant design of consciousness itself, is that it has divided itself up. It has sectioned itself off into these individual unique pockets of experience and it reflects upon itself in such a way that I am able to talk about all these abstract metaphysical things and hopefully clearly articulate them in the same manner and that's a kind of experience in its own way and in the same manner of experience although it obviously operates on a different mode of consciousness, that thing that we assimilate with the word tree has an experience in the physical world and participates in the grand scheme of consciousness also in its own subjectivity. But here's where we've tricked ourselves throughout history throughout the history of language and the history of how we think about things. We say that a certain thing is a certain way. Some kind of fringe science that generally becomes more and more accepted over time comes to verify the nature of that particular thing that we speak about. And then we begin to talk and think about that thing in this way 
that uh, has been confirmed uh, by our experience, by the science that goes into understanding it. And science does do a pretty good job, I think, of trying to be as objective as possible. But it's not possible to be completely objective all the time when we are, again, mere subjects operating in this veil, this overall dome mode of objectivity. But this is a slightly different subject. But the point is, what if we were to think about trees in a different nature, or to begin to speak about trees in a different way, other than just these biological organisms that have a root structure and grow leaves off of their branches? And what if we began to speak about them as something other than the language which science and those who have come before us have given us. And I'm not saying that I think that trees are actually sentient beings sent here from you know another dimension or anything like that. But what if we began to speak about them in our own subjective language? And this is where the beauty and brilliance of consciousness truly unfurls itself. It's because subjectivity gives us the opportunity to create new experiences, to create new ways of being conscious of things, to create new ways of speaking about and experiencing and thinking about things, things that are unique to us as individuals, things that are unique to us as subjects. And when we think about them in our own unique perspective and then give that perspective back to consciousness to talk about them or whatever it is that we're talking about or thinking about in our own unique way, then there's this double reflection that happens between yourself and the world and you begin to communicate with it and this brilliant way that is, again, unique and can be very enlightening for the person experiencing um, these kinds of thoughts and uh, feelings and emotions and experiences itself. It can be very enlightening and very freeing to step away from the history of what we have been given and to experience something as it is, uniquely as it is, between you and it. And in that way, we begin to change the language and we begin to change our own consciousness about ourselves and the entire world around us.